I just want you to know that was not me yesterday when, uh, when we played. Hey, I am glad to be back. Um, last week I was uh, speaking at a conference in Texas, which afforded me the joy of driving about four hours north of Fort Worth to see my little granddaughter, Emma Kate. And so I bet I kissed that young in 3,000 times in the, face of, in, the, in, in the space of about five days. And so <coughs> I am glad to be back. Thankful for Pastor Joe. Last week he spoke on, on the uh, topic of replacing the divots in your life and, and repairing relationships between you and our Lord and, and you and one another. Did a phenomenal job. Today we're going to continue that series on life in the fairway, living as God intended. Today we're going to talk about mulligans. Last summer I had the opportunity to play golf at a pristine and prestigious golf course, Indian Woods. I was really excited because 10 days after I was there, the PGA, Professional Golf Association, seniors were going to have their championship. The PGA Players Championship was going to be there. It was like awesome. Tom Watson and they had all these big guys, you know, from, uh, you know, days gone by were going to be there. Just absolutely you know, just this stellar course, and so it was sanctioned, the course was, by the PGA, and so 10 days before the event, they let hackers like me and other guys come out there and play, and just to kind of give the course a, a trial run and a run through and that kind of thing. It was an incredible course. Byron went with me, and there was two other preacher guys that went with me, and we went, got there early, went to the driving range, hit a bucket of balls, and I'm telling you, you can tell a lot about your day by how you hit the bucket of balls on the fairway, and I'm telling you people, I was in the zone, baby. I mean, I was crushing that ball. I mean, it was going my, you know, when I connected that ball, it sounded like a cannon, just boom, and it was going, it was going straight. It was going deep, it was going long, it was going everything, man. I, everything just felt good. My, my stance, my grip, my, my waggle, you all got to have a waggle. And I know some of you waggle when you shouldn't waggle, but, but you got to have a waggle. And, and, and so, you know, all of that was just really working together. And I'm just thinking, dude, I am going to own this course today. Man, I was so pumped. I was so geeked. I was, did I tell you I was crushing the ball because I wanted to know how I would do on a big boy course. So we got there, and it was a shotgun start, which means that everybody starts on a, on a different hole, and you play 18, and when you get back to where you started, then you're done. Well, we started on the, the 16th green, or the six, yeah, the 16th fairway, 16th hole. And it was a beautiful hole. I mean, it was just absolutely stunning and gorgeous. It was a short 364 par 4. 364 par 4, I am thinking birdie, baby, birdie, birdie, baby, birdie, because I was, did I tell you, I was smoking that ball off the driver. I mean, I was killing it. I was killing it. So we got up there in our foursome, and, you know, Byron obviously went first because Byron always goes first in whatever Byron does. And so he went first, and then out of the kindness of my heart, because I was smoking that ball, right, off the driving range. I let the other two guys go because I didn't want to intimidate them by my long drive and the way I was smoking that ball. So I got up there and I teed it up. 
Man, I dressed the ball, felt good. I waggled and I wiggled and I did everything you're supposed to do. I am feeling good about this hit. I get a good stance and I go, my little mind just goes, kill it, kill it, kill it, kill it. And man, and I was just smoking that ball off the driving range and I hit that ball as hard as I could hit it. It went a grand total of nine feet. I want to show you where my ball went. Uh, this is, uh, we are actually on the tee box right here. This is the golf cart. Way down there is the flag. I hit it right there. <laughs> I'm telling you, right here in the weeds. And my, my buddies I were playing with, they were so kind, and they were going, hey, we don't want to start off the day that way. Take a mulligan. Take a mulligan. Well, now, for those of you who don't know what a mulligan is, let me just kind of tell you what a mulligan is. Uh, a mulligan is when somebody it gives you a free shot when the previous shot was poorly shot. And you should have been shot for hitting that shot. Now, I, mean, I mean, it's just a kindness thing. It's grace extended. It's not really the way you do it, but hey... We don't want you to feel bad. Take the mulligan. I was humiliated. Man, I was, I, can I tell you, I was ticked off. And honestly, if I, my son wasn't there and half the world didn't know I was a Christian on that golf course, I'd have flung this baby to the moon, man. I'm telling you. I was one ticked off guy because my ball went nine feet. And now they have the nerve. Offer me a mulligan. You know, in life, sometimes we think we're in the zone, in the sweet spot. Sometimes we think we're doing it and, and, and just kind of crushing that ball. And our ball only goes nine feet. Mulligans are an interesting concept. It, it, it's second chances. Basically, what a mulligan equals is a second chance. It's a redo. It's control-out-delete. It, it's the chance to start fresh. It, it's the chance just to begin again. It, 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 it's almost like rebirth. It's a, it's a fresh thing. It's a new start. And, and the old shot is gone. My nine-foot drive goes away, and you get a free swing with no consequences. It was awesome. You know, in life we find ourselves in the midst of a lot of bad swings, don't we? Moral foul up, huge mistakes in judgment. We overlook some of the most important values in our lives. We go through the week and we neglect God, pay no attention to Him. We come back on Sunday expecting God to give us a mulligan and that kind of thing. And wouldn't it be nice if somebody in authority would just say... Hey, take a mulligan. Take a second chance. It's all right. The good news is that the gospel of Jesus Christ offers you and I a second chance. And that's what grace is all about. And the second chance comes through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Because he died on the cross for our sins. Our sins are forgiven. And when you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins, yes, when you confess your sins. 
He forgives you of your sins and you start fresh, new, clean. It's the mulligan that gives you a second chance, a new opportunity to do different, to be different, and to embrace something different in your life and something better, and that's Jesus Christ. And the good news about the second chance, the good news about taking God's mulligan is that every sordid past you've ever, every sordid thing you've done in your past, every terrible mistake, every addiction, every wrong thought, it is wiped from the record. That's what grace is all about. It's God's mulligan. It's the second chance that God's offer us. So today, if you need a mulligan, I want you to turn in your Bibles or your PDAs or your cell phone or your electronic device. And I want you to turn to 1 John Chapter 1 and verse 9. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. It's one of the verses I use in a pastoral row almost every week. And, and certainly a lot over the years. And it says if we confess. That's the big word. Confess. If you have a Bible and, or can highlight it. You ought to highlight it. Draw a box around it. Draw an arrow to it. Put a star by the arrow that you just draw to the word that confess that you just put a box around it. It is a tremendously important word. He, that's Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us, that's you and me, from our, that's you and me, sins, and to cleanse us, that's you and me, from all unrighteousness. That's where the mulligan comes in. He says, if we confess our sins. Now, in the Bible, there's two kind of understandings of, of a confession. There's a judicial confession where you give a confession in front of a court of law where the judge would adjudicate law and enforce the law. This is not that type of confession. This type of confession is a family term. It's where maybe a husband and a wife, because they've been fussing, give each other a mulligan and say they're sorry. It's where a father forgives a son, a mother forgives the daughter, the daughter forgives the mother. I mean, it, it goes both ways. It's a family term because it's lived in the context of relationships. See, I want you to understand, and I say it often, that the Bible is not a book of theory. It is a book of relationships. How God wants you to have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And that relationship with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit then enables us to have proper relationships with those around us and to have a proper relationship with the environment that we live in. I mean, it's all about relationships. And so in the family of God where there is God the Father... We all, as Christians in the family of God, sin. Amen? Hello? Amen? See, I know while I was kissing my little granddaughter's face off, y'all were up here sinning, man. I know exactly what you do. I'm kissing her face off, and y'all up here telling untruths. Y'all up here being unkind. Y'all up here being angry at each other. Y'all, I've been in Texas, so I can say y'all. You know? And in the context of the family, we go to God the Father and we ask for forgiveness from God the Father who freely gives us, his children, a mulligan, a redo, a second chance, a fresh opportunity to start. 
We confess our sin out of respect and love for the person that we've sinned against. And God forgives us, cleans us up from the all unrighteousness, the non-right things that we've done. And it restores our broken relationship with him. Yes, we need judicial forgiveness once when we become a child of God. But I'm telling you, there are many times we need family forgiveness from God the Father. We need a mulligan because we mess up. We need a second chance. Because we got involved in something we shouldn't have. We keep flirting with that addiction instead of putting it aside. We keep, we keep giving in to temptation when we know that it's wrong. And so God offers us the second chance. God's forgiveness is not based on his love. God's forgiveness is based on his justice. See, because some folks walk around and say, well, God loves me. He'll just forgive me of anything that I do because God is love. He is love, but he's also equally just. Matter of fact, it's in his justice and holiness that the parameters of love find their fullest expression. And because God is just, he will execute judgment on right and wrong. But right now, today, because of the grace that we have because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. When we mess up, he says, if we confess our sins, here's the mulligan. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. See, simply put, when you're aware of sin in your heart, confess it. Confess it. God forgives it because he's just and he's faithful. He's the God of the second chance. Hey, listen, I want you to understand something. That word confess is a key word. A lot of things hinge on that word confess. Actually, the word confess is made up of two Greek words. One word is, is, is homo, and, which means same. And the next word is logos, or logo, which means word. It means the same word, to say the same thing. It means to agree with. It carries the idea of agreeing with or admitting to something so to confess our sins mean that we say the same thing about that sin that God says about the sin. So if you lie, you own it, and you confess that, you agree with God that you have lied. If you are watching something on your screens, your Cell phone screen, your iPad screen, your computer screen, your TV screen. If you're watching something on the screens that you shouldn't be looking at, you call it what it is. Adultery, fornication, pornography, whatever it is, you call it exactly what it is. You agree with God that it is sin and it was that sin that caused Jesus Christ to go and die on a cross. To suffer the shame and degradation and humiliation on that cross for you and I. To have a fresh start and a new chance at life. Isn't it incredible? That he loves us enough that he says, hey, confess. Just agree with me that you're a sinner. And by the way, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we all say amen to that, don't we? Everybody has sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. So he says, with you and I in the family of faith, confess our sins. He is faithful, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. True confession calls sin the same thing God calls it. Now I know we live in a world 
I know we live in a society where we change the name of things to make us feel better about what we do. You know? We don't want to offend anybody. Heaven knows we can't tell truth in our culture today because we might hurt somebody's feelings, so we change the names around, so we kind of water it down so nobody gets their feelings hurt. You know? For example, there was a day when the taking of a baby before birth was called murder. Now it's called an abortion. There was a day when two men or two women living together was labeled as sin. Now it's called an alternative lifestyle. You see what we do? We change the name to soften the effects of sin, not on God, on us. Because we want to feel comfortable with our own sinfulness. The whole purpose of the cross is that we feel comfortable with Christ's righteousness, not our sinfulness. He came to give us the mulligan. He came to give us the second chance. He came to give us that, that new lease on life, that new start that says you can live above the sins in your life. Not by your own effort, but by the power of God that lives in you. So if we confess our sins. By the way, confession is not a small thing. Matter of fact, it's, it's not even a poetic thing. But most of us pray wrong when we come to the area of sin. And, and just kind of amen if this is kind of how you've done it in the past. And, and, and we, we know that there's sin in our life. And we do this general sin prayer thing. You know? Dear Jesus, if I've hurt anybody's feelings, if I've done anything wrong, Jesus, I don't want to go to hell, so forgive me of my sins. Ever prayed that prayer? The problem is, is most of us know specifically what specific sin we committed in a very specific and intentional way that offended a holy God. Because the Holy Spirit of God lives in our hearts. And one of his jobs is, is that when you and I sin, he goes, hello, uh-uh, not right. Matter of fact, even when he knows you're headed in that direction, he goes, stop. Or in the vernacular of our day, what are you thinking Hello? And he calls us back to God. But here's what we do. This has been my experience, and I'm telling you, I've been doing this thing now for about 30 years. I don't think I've ever had one person been able not to tell me. Because here, just, just kind of follow along, because we're walking with Christ, and we're going. It's like we're crushing it. We're nailing it. We're smoking it. We're in the zone with Jesus Christ. But somewhere we take a fork in the road. Maybe the fork in the road was pornography. Maybe the fork in the road was popularity. Maybe the fork in the road was desiring or coveting. Maybe the fork in the road was dishonoring our parents. I don't know what the fork in the road was. But there was a fork in the road, and that was where you just kind of went in a, in a direction. Maybe not directly away or reverse from Jesus Christ, but just in a way that might have been a tangent, just kind of off to the side a little bit. And the more that he went this way, the farther out you went this way until now you're just like so far apart. And people come and they sit in my office and they go, Pastor, I just don't know where it went wrong. I go, yes, you do. And you do. Matter of fact, all you got to really do is ask the Holy Spirit, and he'll go, mm-hmm. Let's do a little rewind here, right 
that, that decision, that decision where you lied and didn't think it was a big deal, that, de- that decision to deceive and you didn't think it really mattered because you didn't get caught, that decision to say something off-colored, that decision to take something that wasn't yours, that decision to look at something you shouldn't have looked at right there was the fork in the road. And see, and it's right there that I think you have to go back and pray very specifically. Here's the better way to pray, I think. Here's the better way to pray. Oh, Lord, I've sinned. And then you name the sin. Pornography, adultery. You name it. You name the sin. Lying, stealing, 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 cheating, anger, temper. You say, well, that's just the way I am. Read the Bible, please. Hello, that's not how you're supposed to be. You say, well, I just kind of got a sour mouth or a dirty mouth, and that's just kind of the way I was raised. Well, Jesus wants to raise you up in a different way. Name sin specifically. And you go, I accept your judgment about it. This sin in my life cost Jesus his life, and it's wrong, and I need to turn, and I want to turn, and I will turn from it and not do it anymore. And that's key. Please forgive me and restore my relationship with you. Thank you for your mercy, grace, and love. That's a specific prayer, isn't it? And that is, that is a specific way that gets God's favor back. Confession is a reality check. Because it connects us with our inability to save ourselves and with God's gracious ability to save us. And the enormous price he paid in order to save you. Can I say that again? You may come to an altar today and go, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I, and you may name the sins. Boom, boom, boom. You name all the And Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my heart. Come into my life. And you may go get up from that altar and go, that was so easy. I don't know why I didn't do that before. And while it may be easy, this side of the cross, I want you to know on the cross, it was a tremendous price for Jesus to pay. He paid with his very life. By the way, a word of warning to those who us who embrace that truth. We can't become calloused to that truth. That truth has always got to move you. That he died on the cross for your sins because he loved you. Matter of fact, God is all about using people in the Bible and giving people in the Bible a mulligan, giving them second chances. You say, well, I've messed it up too bad. Listen, there's been people in the Bible that's messed it up way worse than you have. And God has used them for his glory. God has used them in his plan. God has, let me just give you a few. There was Abraham who was called a friend of God, though he once was an idol worshiper. Moses became a great leader of the children of Israel. Uh, and let him out of slavery despite the fact he committed murder. Jonah was the Billy Graham to the city of Nineveh, even though he tried to walk and run and sail away from God. David became a man after God's own heart, although he seduced his friend's wife, had his friend killed on the front line. God used him. 
Peter was the first person to proclaim the full message of the gospel after the death of Christ and his resurrection. And yet Peter denied him. And then there was Paul who wrote 13 books in the New Testament, although he was once a terrorist against the church. I'm telling you, God is all about giving you and I a second chance of giving us a mulligan, of giving us an opportunity to wipe the slate clean. We all need a mulligan, let's admit it. So what does God, in a, what does God do with our sins? What does he do that enables us when we confess our sins, what does he do with our sins? Oh, we're told that he forgives us our sins, but Psalm 103, verses 10, 11, and 12 puts it really in, in very poetic language. It says, he does not deal with us according to our sins. And we all ought to say, amen. Okay, I got more from the baby than I get, got from believers <laughs> who have been redeemed, ransomed, justified, sanctified, bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ who because of his actions and his love for you, no longer holds those sins that you committed that nailed him to the cross against your charge. He took the charge and the payment of your debt of sin for you so that you could at least acknowledge him with gratitude in your heart and say amen to a biblical truth that he no longer deals with us according to our sin. If I'd have been God, I'd slapped every one of you upside the head just then nor repay us according to our iniquities. Amen. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. They are gone. It's the mulligan. You know, one of the great joys of childhood is when we got an etch-a-sketch. Amen? Raise your hand, etch-a-sketch. By the way, for those of you who do not have an etch-a-sketch, do not panic. You can get an etch-a-sketch, etch-a-sketch app on your iPhone. Uh, I'm not lying. I downloaded one and then deleted it because I thought this is like crazy. You know, it's just like, uh-uh. But you know what an S-Sketch thing is? You know, you just kind of make a little picture and then when you're messed up, you turn it over and you just shake it, you know? It's funny, I was in my office this morning and I was trying to do that with my cell phone and it was like, I was glad nobody saw me do that, but it was like, and it just goes away and it never comes back. And God, when he takes it away, and it never comes back, he doesn't expect us to go back to what he took away. When God takes away, he doesn't expect us to go back to what he takes away. But here's the problem. Here's the problem is that a lot of us have a flippant attitude and we tell God we're sorry for our sins and we just expect God to forgive us and we tell God we're sorry for our sins knowing full well we're going to go back out next Friday, Saturday and do the same thing again and then we'll come to church on Sunday because we don't want to go to hell we tell God we're sorry for our sins knowing full well that after we tell God we're sorry for our sins we're going to go back to Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday do the same sin because we don't want to go to hell we come to church on Sunday tell God 
say, God, we're sorry for our sin. He erases the, you know, the thing. And, and knowing full well when we get up and we leave the church, we're going to do the same thing Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday again. But we're going to come to church on Sunday and we're going to tell God we're sorry for our sins. Why? Because we don't want to go to hell, but we want to go back Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and do the same thing over again. But then we'll come to church on Sunday, so we tell God we're sorry for our sins because why? We don't want to go to hell. We don't want to live for Jesus. We just don't want to go to hell. So we go back out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We sin, we sin, we sin. We come back to church on Sunday, tell God we're sorry for our sins. Why? Because we don't want to go to hell, but we don't want to live for Jesus either. So we go out Sunday after church, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we sin. We come back to church Sunday, and we tell God we're sorry for our sins. Why? Because we don't want to live for Jesus. We just don't want to go to hell. Now, I want, I want you to pay very careful attention to what I'm going to tell you in about the next four minutes. Because some of us have such a flippant attitude. It's like the comedian said, made a little joke. He said, I used to pray every day, God, would give me a bicycle. God, give me a bicycle. God, give me a bicycle. Finally, I figured out God wasn't going to give me a bicycle, so I just went out and stole one and told God I was sorry. And that's the way a lot of you live. Oh, it'll be all right. I'll just tell that lie and tell God I'm sorry. I'll just take what's not mine and tell God I'm sorry. We, we think we can choose to sin, and you can choose to sin, but I'll tell you, God chooses the consequences. He says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. It's all too easy an attitude to take that it doesn't matter what I do because God loves me and God's in the business of forgiving people. And I can sin on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, come to church on Sunday, tell God I'm sorry because I don't want to go to hell, but I don't really want to live for Jesus either. I want you to understand your commitment to ask Jesus Christ into your heart is first and foremost not to miss hell. First and foremost, it is a commitment to follow Jesus. And a lot of us have this real cheap, easy believism about grace. That we can, we can do anything we want to do in the week intentionally, unintentionally, willfully, unwillfully, and, and then tell God we're sorry about it on Sunday and everything is okay and we're all going to heaven and we're going to sing Kumbaya and life is good. Have you ever read the Bible? Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. I'm telling you, is an alarming verse in the Bible. Romans chapter 6 says, hey, 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 hang on a minute. The goal of having a personal relationship with Jesus is to see how close we can live to Jesus, not how far out on the edge we can live. Now, church, we got to get a hold of this thing because this book still calls us to separated, holy, Christ-like living. All right, I'm going to do this again. This book still calls us to separated, holy, Christ-like living. <laughs> and yet we got a whole lot of us in this room who want to live out on the edge. And does that make any sense to God? No golfer hits a bad shot on purpose just so he could use his mulligan. 
Why in the world would you as a believer want to live so close to the edge and close to the things that God saved you from through Jesus Christ and not close in the middle to who Jesus really is? I'm telling you, I love my wife. I love that woman. Because she gave me three boys and one of them boys married a girl and gave me a grandbaby. Been together over 30 years. She asked me to marry her. I said, I got nothing better to do, okay. <laughs> and it's worked. I don't want to hang around with all the women in the church. I want to hang out with my woman. I, I want to be with her. I didn't take any of y'all to Texas with me. I took my wife. And she's like, on earth, the closest thing there in my heart. And the Kate's catching up ground pretty fast, but I mean, she's... <laughs> Why is it we want to live way over here? Just on the edge. Because it's cool? Because it's popular? Because it's fun? I mean, what is it? Why do we want to live and park ourselves in the middle of the things that Jesus Christ died on a cross to redeem us from instead of not living in the joy of what he is all about? So listen to Romans chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. I want you to get it. He says, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, do you live in sin Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, come to church on Sunday because you don't want to go to hell? You don't want to live for Jesus, you don't want to go to hell. So you go back out and sin, sin, sin because you presume on God's grace and then you come back to church on Sunday. This verse is saying, uh-uh, be careful. You've got an attitude and you've got a heart that is so wayward that it may not even have grasped the central truths of the gospel. So by no means, how could he who died to sin still live in sin? If you're dead to the things that Jesus saved you from, why do you want to live on the peripheral and live in them? Jesus Christ is a call to a centrist, theologically anyway, position of having Jesus as the center, the core of your life. The whole purpose of the second chance is to move from disaster to success, from failure to fairway. If we deliberately break up our marriage, and by the way, you wouldn't believe in 30 years how many people have come and they've sat in my office. They said, well, listen, Pastor, here's what I'm going to do. I, I really don't love my wife, really don't love my husband. I, I'm just going to divorce them, and I'm just going to remarry them. After all, David did it, and God forgave David, and we're going to do it, and God's going to forgive us, or we're just going to live together. We're not even going to get married. We're just going to live together, and that's going to be okay, because that's what we want to do. We don't really you know, buy into the whole adultery. We just don't want to mess anybody else up, and so, so we're just going to live together, and it's, going to, and, and it's okay. And, and, and they, they plan to intentionally sin and then they try to manipulate God's forgiveness and grace so they can, can continue in their sin. Uh-uh, doesn't work. 
God's blessings are never so you can continue in sin. God's blessings are always so that you will turn from sin and run to Jesus. Job chapter 1 and verse 4 says this. He says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who perverted the grace of God into sensuality, denying our most holy faith. Basically what he's saying, and this is a little bit more of a paraphrase on it from the New Living Translation. But he says, there's people who crept in the church saying God's forgiveness allows us to live immoral lives. No, it does not. God's forgiveness allows you to live a holy life. And it allows you to enjoy the joy of Jesus Christ. Got it? Let me give you one more verse. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 16. It basically says, and you'll see, the, you'll see the, my little paraphrase of the verse coming up. It says, exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. Serve Him. Live with Him. As Christians, we're free from sin, don't intentionally walk back into the hazards that Christ saved you from. Take God's mulligan. His forgiveness is your second chance. Regardless of your level of golf, we all have bad shots now and again. Some of us even string several shots together before we recover. No matter what level of life, we all make bad choices, a slip of the tongue, unsound judgment, inappropriate thought or action, sin, anger, sin. Those things are serious. In 1 John 1, 9 is the remedy. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Go back with me to the 16th T. Remember my... Uh, Major kill shot that went nine feet. My buddies were there and they said, take a mulligan. Take a mulligan. And you know, I didn't take the mulligan. I took a nine on a par four. I hit it from those patch of weeds to the next patch of weeds to the next patch of weeds. That in very ungodly anger, I hit the ball as hard as any human being has ever hit it. Went across the fairway into the patch of weeds over here on this side. <laughs> then I went behind the green, over the green, got a nine on a par four. I didn't take a mulligan for the same reason many of you are going to sit here today and not take God's mulligan. It was pride. It was pride. I didn't need a second shot. You should have seen me on the driving range. I didn't need a mulligan. You don't know how good I've been playing this year. I don't need a mulligan. Do you know who I am? Hello. Big club, little guy, big stick, whoa. It was pride. See, Jesus Christ in heaven offers you and I a second chance. He offers you and I a free mulligan. And some of you are going to sit there in your pride going, nope, mm -mm, I don't need it. I'll figure it out on my own. I'll do my own thing. I'll make it right. And you're going to burn a lot of bridges. You're going to burn a lot of people. You're going to sever a lot of relationships. And I'm telling you, grace is extended to you this morning. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, big, huge grace is extended to you. Because he says to you, 
this day, in this moment, take the mulligan. Have your sins forgiven. Invite me into your heart. And if you're a Christian and you've messed up, poor choices, bad judgment, many of the things that we've listed here today, man, listen, take the mulligan. Confess your sin. Agree with God about it so you can live.